Hi, it's Tim Hagen from Progress Coaching, and welcome to another episode for the Coaching Conversations podcast. Now, we are on Stitcher, we are on iTunes, and multiple different channels. Please check us out. Now, one of the things that you'll get out of our podcast episodes is a lot of content, a lot of strategy. It's not fluff, it's not concept. Yet we really want you to engage with the content and let us know your feedback. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. Hi, everybody. It's Tim Hagen from Coaching Conversations. And today we have another podcast episode with Thane Balamo. And Thane is a friend of mine and an expert in the field of learning and development. And today we're going to focus a lot on team development. How are you, Thane? Good. How are you, Tim? Good, good. Tell us a little bit about your background, your career, and currently what you're doing. Yeah, so I, um, you know, had a pretty typical uh, upbringing in the sort of L&D slash organizational development field. I, well, that's actually not quite true. I actually started out with a history degree and then realized I needed to find a way to make money. So that wasn't going to work. So I got into, <laughs> I got into IT back in the day when you could, you know, if you could turn a computer on, you could get a, a pretty good paying job. Um, and so I ended up, you know, working in IT and I worked in a chemical manufacturing uh, industry hmm. who at the time were going through, um, well, globalization was really ramping up and Chinese and Indian manufacturers could literally manufacture, ship and distribute pro- the same product for cheaper than we could even make it. And so we had to figure out how to uh, survive, right? How to how to how to transform our organization, or at least attempt to, mm-hmm. so that we could survive. And I that was my first exposure to uh, this world of like organizational development. I, I didn't even know such a thing existed. I didn't even know people did this. And we had a consultant yeah. come in, and I worked you know closely with this consultant, and uh, I sort of found that. Uh, you know, that's what I was interested in. In IT, you know, I'm competing against people who, you know, read, you know, IT manuals in the bathroom. I, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, I, it was okay, but I wasn't into it like that. You know, right. you can't compete with people when it's their passion, you know. Right. And uh, so anyway, I sort of found this this field. And so for the last, you know, 20 plus years, I've been, uh, you know, in, in the field and, you know, worked in, you know, in that manufacturing company and healthcare, government, uh, telecommunications. I'm now in the uh, nuclear industry and uh, which has been absolutely uh, enlightening uh, mm-hmm. for me. I didn't think it would be, but uh, I've learned an unbelievable amount in the nuclear industry. And, uh, you know, involved in all of the typical stuff, executive coaching, org design, L&D, you know, stand-up training, you know, development, all all that. And I uh, ended up, uh, you know, sort of focusing on teams as a a sort of specialty, if you will. And and so here I am and uh, have had a great deal of fun, learned a heck of a lot over the last 20 some years. And, uh, and I'm strangely still enjoying myself. (laughs) Well, and and you and I've had, you know, I would love to hear your viewpoints on, you know, there's so much team development out there, right? And you and I had initial conversation before this podcast episode, and we were talking about, you want people to work, give them meaningful work. I'll never forget that conversation when you and I had first met, and I'm probably paraphrasing, 
And I shared uh, before we got on, my son who works for our company literally announced at a company meeting yesterday, he doesn't even know what his dad's company does. He doesn't even know what his dad does. And it's interesting because he's doing some really valuable work, but he actually had no clue that he was actually being billed out and he's still in college. So what are some of the things you see with team development? What do you see as an opportunity for companies to maybe reframe the way they look at team development? And, mm-hmm. and how do you go about doing that? Um, yeah. So, you know, I start with this sort of simple premise. Um, have you ever seen a video? I once saw this video where a, a, there had been a car accident and a car had somehow rolled on to the, I guess, the driver, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, people ran to the vehicle. And, you know, incredible to watch all these people organize themselves immediately into how to help this person, right? Some people directing traffic, some people down talking to the victim who, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, uh, Mm. how they were, other people organizing themselves to move the car off. An incredible insight into, into teaming, right? Yeah. They didn't need a team build. They didn't need anything, right? These people organize themselves into a team because the work was critically important in that moment. And they leveraged the innate thing, frankly, that's in all of us around teaming. Like in no time in, in the history of humankind did people get together and say, you know what? We should work together. I mean, right. Like working together is what humans do. Yeah. Like, Trees grow in fertile soil and frogs eat flies. Humans work together. And so, you know, these two insights kind of helped me clarify, you know, kind of what I had seen in my career in terms of teams and how teams perform. Uh, What are the circumstances whereby high-performing teams develop? And, you know, and I think that uh, you know, obviously there's a, uh, there's a million books on teams and team right. development and how to best formulate your teams. And I think that, you know, almost all of them have value, right? They, they all have a, a, a kernel in there, a nugget in there that really helps us better understand that. But I think too, that sometimes we miss the point and it's that teams are, uh, you know, best form and function when p- human beings get together to do something that is important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so this idea that if you want teamwork, then give the team work, give the team important work. Right. Um, I'm brought back to that idea of the, of the car accident, right? Yeah. That work was critically important in that moment. And so these people, uh, gave their most extravagant effort to make sure that that succeeded. Um, that's what we want in our teams, right? We want our teams to to be invested in the work, to you know, to 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 care. Because when people care, they're willing to put that effort in. They're willing to argue, right? And that's what we want. Like, I, it's funny. I work with teams, and, and they always talk about eliminating conflict. And I, 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 th- I don't think we have enough conflict. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, we can't insult each other, but. But if, but if this work is important, then I'm going to, I care about the outcome. And yeah. so if, if we disagree, I'm going to say, Tim, I, I just disagree with that. And, and here's why. Um, if the work's not that important, then why would I care? Right. 
you know, you, you want to do some, go down a path and not, the work's not important. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's not what we want our teams to be. What do, what do you think prompts the lack of caring or is it the lack of understanding from leaders today in terms of who's on their team? Well, I think that first of all, leaders tend to think that, well, first of all, I don't think that leaders really frame it in terms of how the importance of the work to the mm-hmm. people on the team matters, right? I think they there's this sense in many ways that all work is important. If we say right. we should do it, then therefore it's important. But that's that's not true. Right. Um, you know, I think that we do often a terrible job of f- framing the work, right, and how why it's important and actively recruiting people to that work. Like we do way too much voluntelling people. Mm-hmm. Uh, voluntelling people is not recruiting them, right? Recruiting them means I'm I'm going to somebody and saying, look, we have this packet of work to do. Here's why I think it's important. Here's why it is important. We really want you to be, you know, involved in this because we, you know, we think your expertise is going to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And if that person, if you can connect that, right? And that person's like, wow, yeah, I, 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 I'm involved. I'm interested in that. Let me, let's, I'd love yeah. to be a part of that. Then, then, okay, that's good. If you go to somebody and, and give your spiel and they go, you know, I, I'm not buying it. I, I don't feel it. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Right. Presumably you have a lot of work to do in your organization. And so vector that person to work that they are interested. We should not be holding people hostage to work that they don't want to do. And, you know, I mean, look, if, if they're not interested in any of the work you do, well, then you got a different problem. Right. <laughs> but, you know, so anyway, I think that leaders don't, A, frame the work, uh, you know, it's in terms of where it lies on this spectrum of importance. Um, and then they don't actively recruit people that way, right, to get them, you know, on the team and, and, and where that person is really engaged in the importance of that work. You think that there's also an inhibition of employees to speak up? Because as you know, we teach coaching. And one of the top questions we get is having conversations upward. Do you yep. feel that that leaders have that opportunity? But do you think that it's almost they're somewhat inhibited of opening that door for that feedback? Eh, you know, I'm not feeling it like you yeah. like you said. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think in, in many organizations, uh, disagreement is is frankly frowned upon. Yep. And, you know, I tell leaders a, a lot that, you know, one of the most important things you did, can do as a leader is purposefully ask people, why am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Tell me why I'm wrong. I, I want you to tell me. Why. And if you tell me why I'm wrong, I'm going to reward you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Maybe not with a gift card, but with a thanks, with a sure. well done, right? So we need to... to um, and, you know, if I ask you, are you interested in this work? Um, we need to make it okay for people and encourage people to say, you know what? No, Um, I'm not interested in that work. And again, if they're not interested in any work, then you got a different problem, but we have to make it okay for people to do that. Um, I will say too, that, you know, not all work is important and that's okay. Right. Like we all know that in, in any organization, Again, there's a spectrum of importance. And the bunch of work we do is, you know, less important, administrative, whatever. Everybody knows this. And being honest with people about it and saying, you know what? Look, I know this work isn't all that important, but 
look, let's get together. Let's bang it out. Let's do a great job. People um, can do that. Right. People and, and the outcomes are much better in terms of trust in your organization when you're truthful and honest about that. Yep. Then trying to sell people on unimportant work as if it's important. Yeah. Do you think there's a battle between organizational importance and individual importance and that leaders in their minds have a little bit of a gap? Sure. Sure. I mean, again, what my view, how my view, um, my perspective, my um, the elevation upon which I stand in terms of, of the organization, of what the organization needs and, and all that matters, right? Like my view is different than the CEO's view. Sure. So what's important to that CEO might not be important to me. So it's the job of leaders in that recruitment. And even you could argue day to day to try to link, right. To, to help people understand the importance of, of the work we do. Like you were talking about your organization. I mean, you guys are involved in coaching, mm-hmm. right? That's important work. I mean, you, you, you know, you're impacting people's lives, not only at work, but at home. Sure. I mean, I, I used to, when I used to do stand-up training years and years ago, I would always ask a question. Do you think that your ability to lead people has any impact on their ability to succeed in the workplace? And of course, they would all say, well, of course, you know, I'm a leader. Right. And, and I said, okay, okay. Well, you must then agree that your ability to lead people then impacts their ability to pay their mortgage, to put clothes in their kids' backs, to buy food for their families. So what you're doing right now ha- is a big deal. You can literally destroy people in this job. Yeah. So if you want to be a leader uh, because you want more power or you want more, you know, then you might can reconsider because, the, you know, you have a huge impact on people's lives. So that's just an example of framing the work that somebody's doing and helping them understand the importance and the impact uh, of that work. Yeah. Well, and we, we talk about, you use the term framing. We talk about the relationship with stuff. You mentioned conflict. We always talk about confronting is nothing more than building awareness of a tough issue that most people won't spend their time on mm-hmm. and they'll choose to walk away. Meaning we don't have the conversations. You can go from conflict to what you alluded to earlier, very spirited conversations. So after you and I had initially met, one of the things I stole from you is I, we were talking to a bunch of tellers at one of our credit union clients and I said, so when your boss asks you to upsell, cross-sell, what do you think they're asking you to do? They all said, be uncomfortable, do what we hate. I said, or what if you're helping people make better financial decisions during tough times that they have a greater return on their money and you're helping families? And they all stopped. And what I was trying to teach the leader was you have to coach to the meaningful part of their jobs. Right. You're coaching to the tasks that they have to do, which creates that level of importance, which is a lot of what I took from you from our conversation. Right, right. Yeah. Um, hey, first of all, I want to say that my daughter gave me this cup. I don't think I'm the best guy ever. <laughs> my daughter does. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is good. I'm glad my daughter thinks that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is critically important. <laughs> it's critically important to un- so that people understand the importance. And when they do, um, people are willing to give um, all of that discretionary effort, right? Yeah. And 
and bigger picture. So, okay, great. We have people working on teams and they're engaged because they understand the importance of the work and they're putting all this discretionary effort in and we're getting stuff accomplished. That's wonderful. Bigger picture, when people, so I define teams as a group of people um, working together to accomplish important work, right? That requires the effort of all the team members to succeed. It is in the accomplish. It is in the struggle to accomplish that important work that teams develop these uh, attributes that we would associate with high-performing teams. One of the primary ones, we, as we know, is this idea of trust. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in that struggle, we are often laid bare. Right. As to who, like. Uh, I, I remember many, many years ago, I used to work at a uh, pizza hut when I was like in high school. That job was so hard in the kitchen. Yeah. You could not be fake. Like you just couldn't be fake. There, right. was, no, there was no mental <laughs> energy to be fake. So it very quickly, everybody kind of understood what everybody's strengths were, what their weaknesses yep. were, what, you know, everything about them. And in the accomplishment of this important work, right? Struggling together. Yes. Do people have weaknesses? Sure. Sure. They also have strengths, right? We let, we naturally begin to, to accept those weaknesses, right? And leverage those strengths. And in doing so, trust forms. And even, even more so this sense of community forms, Mm -hmm. right? This sense that I care about uh, you as much as I care about the work. I, I care about your success because I care about you. Right. It, it, right. And, and those relationships and that sense of community lives, lives on far after the team is disbanded. Yeah. And so when people go off to different departments and take different roles, right. I'm still calling you up and saying, Hey, you know, I'm having this problem. Can you, right. You know, right. Now you're develop you're seeding your organization with these relationships, with this sense of community that uh, drives higher levels of engagement, cross functional collaboration, idea mm-hmm. share, you know, all these wonderful things. But that happens through the the sort of purposeful um, teaming, right? That we're talking about the important work, uh, making sure that we have all the. You know, the team is, uh, there's the correct number of people on the team, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have too many people, then you don't need all the members to succeed. It's it, So, you know, when you properly uh, form a, a team, you get these ancillary benefits that are far bigger than just the work that you're doing. Well, and, and I love what you shared before about trust, about prove me wrong. We call them listening chats. We encourage leaders to ask for feedback and visibility of things that they may not be seen and we encourage them not to respond. Mm-hmm. Go, what do you mean? What if they say something wrong? I said, don't respond. Give them their voice so they come back through the door the second and third time. Because yeah. the minute you invite them and discount what they say, they'll never come back. Right. So we often talk to, what I love about what you're sharing is that framing is, trust isn't something we should talk about. Trust is something we also have to facilitate as leaders. And yes. we really missed that point. So you've obviously been very passionate about the meaningful of work and, and coaching people to understand their value of work. So this is a great segue. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the book, the title of the book. When's it coming out? And uh, Well, yeah. Okay. So the title of the book is um, Talent, uh, I mean, Teamwork and Talent Management. Um, I subtitle it, If You Want Teamwork, Then Give the Teamwork. 
being published by uh, ATD. And it should be out late this summer. Okay, cool. Um, And so, you know, the book is basically about what we've been talking about, right? How how there's sort of... Uh, this model, right? This this idea of important work, framing it correctly, that leads, you know, building a, a, a culture of challenge and curiosity so that people can uh, wrestle with ideas, right? This is how we progress, yeah. right? We progress by um, strong debate and dialogue and challenge and, you know, and triangulating on the right answer. And in that struggle, we get trust as an outcome and uh, community as an outcome. And again, the impact that that has on your larger organization going forward. What's, um, what's the major takeaway? A leader reads your book. What do you think he or she's going to say when they're done with the book? Um, what do I think they're going to say? What do you think they're going to get? What's the number one thing you think they'll get out of it? More I mean, than I, think, I, I think the the number one thing, the initial thing I think is going to be uh, that idea of giving people uh, that it is the the nature of the work that in in many ways is a big influencer on whether we're going to have a, a high performing team. Yeah, and so that I need to figure out how to make the connections like you did, you talked about earlier, right? How to connect what we're doing to and why it's important, um, and then. But I think after they think about it, hopefully they think about it, hopefully they read it a couple times, is that, you know, that building this sense of trust and community, right, which are outcomes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Right? They're not something, you know, you, you can't go in and say, we're going to, okay, today we're going to create trust. Right. <laughs> right. That, uh, um, you know, that these are outcomes and those outcomes are enormously powerful for your organization. I mean, I mean, think about the teams you've probably been on. I know the teams that I've been on, there's still people from, you know, 10 years ago that I'm still friends with, still reach out to. Uh, Those connections throughout your organization are, um, I mean, think, I mean, it's hard to even under overstate how powerful that can be in terms of yeah. idea generation and innovation and problem solving. And I mean, it goes on and on. So, well, and I think about going from the task and a lot of what I've gotten out of our conversation thing is going from that task of the work to understanding the meaningful part of the work, right? How often you must wonder how many employees are doing work, not even knowing their own value. And then a leader saying, okay, Thane's doing his job, walking away. Okay, he's completing his tasks. Yep. But there isn't the emotional connection to it because we haven't facilitated it. Right. And then what happens with trust? Well, geez, Tim never spends time with me. He never acknowledges what I'm doing because I'm thinking, you know what? Everything's going okay. Thane's not complaining. Yep. But I'm not even spending the time to cultivate not only the trust, which I love how you paraphrase, it's the outcome, yet really facilitating so people understand the value and the importance of the work. Right. And, you know, it's funny, different industries, like when I worked in healthcare, right, they, um, one particular hospital I I worked with was incredibly good at this. And, and, you know, they, they have it easier in many ways. It's, it's not hard to understand the importance of your work when you're literally saving people's lives. Right. (laughs) You know, so, um, that is an easy link, but even though it was a relatively easy link, the amount of time and energy they spent on orienting people to that, mm-hmm. to 
I mean, they would have these stories. They would create these posters with a story about, uh, you know, this a nurse who went above and beyond by, I don't know, take, you know, going to the patient's home to get something they sure. wanted and, and bring, I mean, you know, and that was, these are the mythologies that, that the stories and the myths that that uh, hospital used to, to help people understand the importance of the work. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I say a lot that culture, in a lot of ways, culture is the stories that we tell about ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, so they put, they put an enormous amount of work in doing that. And, and I think we could all uh, benefit from, from that model, right? Yeah. Who are your heroes? What are the myths? Are the myths and stories about, oh, you remember when uh, Bob was late to the meeting and he got whacked? You know, you better, that, that that's a myth. That's a story, right? That right. means that you don't be late for meetings and it's retold, you know. Well, so, and I think so often when we're on teams, we remember those teams and very rarely, I, I mean, and I love where your, what your book is alluding to and, you know, the value and the meaningful uh, part of work is how often people have jobs and you hear people today say, it's just a job. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting how we really lose sight of what we're doing because we get very caught up in the day-to-day. I'm doing my job. Yep. Very, very easy. And yeah. very easy for leaders, as you said, to to think, well, everybody's showing up and doing the stuff. So I guess we're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you know, when you have um, important work to do, then framing it up like that is critically important. But again, I guess I can't re- stress enough that um, I hope the takeaway is not that everybody's got to figure out how every bit of work they they do is somehow important and we right. need to sort of bamboozle people into thinking it's important. Right. That is not the message. And I see a lot of that, frankly. Sure. I, mean, I, I see an enormous amount of that and the level of... Uh, of um, erosion of trust, organizational trust is significant because oh, absolutely you know, flavor of the day and every, eventually everybody. And then when you come to people with actual important work, they don't believe you. Right. And they're like, why, you know, you told me that was important and clearly it wasn't. So. Right. A lot of times we make work to be important because it's important that you don't have to do it. So we give it to somebody else. We tell them it's important work to convince them to motivate them because you need the task done. But right. then all of a sudden something valuable comes up we've kind of lost our audience. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and people, again, uh, you know, uh, they understand that a lot of, so there's a bunch of unimportant work that we need to do. It's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Well, thank you. Great conversation. I will uh, make sure that along with this podcast, we attach a link so people can download information and get on your book list. I, I really appreciate it, Tim. I had a great time talking to you. Thank you right. so much. You too. Thanks, thing. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called Coach to You, where leaders can pick and choose topics and assign seven to 21-day programs for employees to learn and, more importantly, apply actions and then reflect and share what they're going to do going forward as a result of the learning. It's called Coach to you. We're literally bringing coaching to your employees. If you're intrigued, we'll have a link in each one of our episodes where you can get more information. And again, thank you so much for listening to another episode.